what to title this yet. I think it's a bit of... It will be. Um, but joining me today is Manuel Vid uh, with Football Ground and Rick Joshua uh, with Byron Central and one of my good friends. And I write for him as well on uh, Schwa's Advice. Actually, I've written for Manuel too. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. How about you? Yeah. All good. Awesome. So, so uh, nothing has been confirmed yet, but we have a little bit to talk about today. Um, first is the 2-2 uh, draw with Hertha Berlin that saw... Uh, Villisano not so easily impressed and we're going to talk about the the coaching situation a little bit. Alright guys? Sounds good. Yep. Well, sounds good. So, so um, Manuel, what, uh, what do you make out of the what do you make out of the draw? Out of uh, Willie Samuel's uh, first match in charge. Yeah, it wasn't impressive, was it? I, I thought that you know this sounds odd that Bayern were actually fortunate to walk away um, with the the victory there. And this is, this is something I pointed out in, in our game pressing uh, football grad game pressing podcast that the two goals that Bayern scored were more or less gifted to them by um, a symbolic header defense. That that first goal that Hummel scored, I have no idea how he can be that free in the box as a central defender. And that um, goal that Lewandowski scored, um, <laughs> I'm not sure what Rekic was doing there, but defending wasn't it. And, um, you know, so they were up by two goals. And I remember a time when a two-goal lead for Bayern, that was it. That was game over. And... It wasn't, and you know, you got a real sense that the the there wasn't order in Bayern's game. There wasn't confidence in Bayern's game. There wasn't um, there wasn't they were never able to really put Hertha under pressure for the entire 90 minutes. And I felt that you know um, they could not they should not have been unhappy if Hertha would have scored a third goal and won this game. I really I really think so, and I think. Um, it really got the Bayern bosses thinking that maybe Willy Sanyol isn't the man for an interim solution. Uh, Rick, do you tend to agree? Because I felt like... Okay, can I just say first that Hummels... Or Boateng to Hummels is like the best goal ever. Because I love my, I love my center backs. But... <laughs> But uh, would you agree that that uh, Sanyol um, was never really in charge of the match? Did you expect anything different? It's difficult to say, really, because uh, he effectively was just uh, forced into that situation, had to step in and uh, deal with the situation as best he could. I mean, for me, it's really difficult to call just having seeing the one match. When you saw that first half, I was actually quite impressed because the team seemed to have switched on. Yes, as Manuel said, uh, the goals were a bit lucky. The penalty was soft. And, uh, and, the, and the second goal was, uh, well, shambolic defending. But... Uh, other than that, we have actually stepped up a bit. We are passing the ball around pretty nicely. Going into halftime, I'd say we looked fairly comfortable. And uh, if the second half had spun out the same way, might we be talking differently? I mean, it's difficult to judge uh, a guy coming in and just being thrust into that position off the back of one game, really. No one was really expecting much. He hasn't really done much before that. Wasn't really fantastic at uh, Bordeaux. But I was expecting someone just to tie things over and pretty much if we'd come out, if we'd eat to victory out in that game, I would have thought probably the same as we do now, that it's not really a long-term solution. So win, lose or draw, I've never really considered Samuel to be the long-term solution, even to the end of the season anyway. Right. Agreed. Um, what, what um, Manuel, what kind of... Uh turn the favor f uh, to Hertha in the second half? 
Yeah, it was all a bit predictable for me. You know, we all we all know who the favorites were under Ancelotti and then Willy Sanyol, of course, he put up um, a lineup that include it was an it was like a 2000 2013 vintage lineup yeah, minus Bastian Schweinsteiger, wasn't it? And um, I I just don't think I mean, Ribéry, of course, unfortunate with the injury. I really hope he he does get he does get well again and can play again. Although at the uh, he's turning 35 in the spring, so you know I have my doubts. Iron Robin, he went off after 58 minutes. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I just don't think that I just can't. I don't think that the side has the stamina, uh, the the stamina to play full power football anymore over 90 minutes and it doesn't have the the physical strength to dominate an opponent the way they did under Guardiola and under Heinkes and you could see it in the second half the it's just degenerating for them and I think the the, the reason for that is well you hear all those stories you know with Bayern players apparently having trained in secret because they didn't think Ancelotti was training them high and this training was uh, physically demanding enough um, you hear stories from Robin that the, the training was uh, on the level of what was it the D level of his young boy um, it's it shows that you know that physically the team isn't there but I think that's not just because of training I just think the team has peaked and um, is in a downward slope so you know Going with that vintage formation, it was the most obvious step, but I don't think it's what's going to work anymore. Now, uh, I would totally agree, uh, Manuel. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned on Twitter that Sanyol was out there playing FIFA 13 mm. uh, <laughs> with the Bayern lineup, putting Javi, putting Javi Martinez as a defensive mid midfielder. Um and I would agree. Uh, Rick, uh, uh, how do you see robbery um, coming along this this season? I, I, I think, to be honest, I think the, the days of robbery were, were slowly petering out. I think with uh, Ribéry's injury... I think that pretty much calls time on it. To be to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, it's a it's a sad thing to say. I mean, they're fantastic to watch when uh, everything was clicking. But I mean, the, the two guys are coming up to a total age approaching seventy now, and uh, I, I think pretty much I'd say. Okay, he's, he's talking about uh, wanting to come back, and you know, the guy's a fighter. He's uh, been out before. He's uh, come back time and again. This may be uh, perhaps one step too many. I think. I would agree. Um, even before Ribery's injury, uh, would you favor Robin over the pair, Manuel? Yeah, I, I think you know Robin. Um, I, I recently wrote an article on him, and this was actually an article on the on Dutch football, and that he's the last world star of the the Netherlands. And I I, I kind of hate to say this, but he might this what I wrote about the Dutch team back then and the reliance on the Dutch team um, on Robin might actually slowly becoming true for Bayern as well. The problem is he's 33. And the being reliant on a 33-year-old to um, get the cause out of the fire, match in, match out, is not a prospect that I would want to look forward to. You know, and that's again, it's true for the Netherlands and it's true for Bayern. And um, I just I see signs that he just isn't at his fullest anymore. The the fact that he had to cut off after 58 minutes, that I would the alarm bells um, ringing, I would say. And I think um, he is the better of the two. Ribéry is showing signs of age two. His his speed isn't there anymore. It really isn't, and that's that's alarming. So I think I personally think now in retrospect they made a huge mistake not signing um, another winger or <laughs> sending the, the winger that they signed out on loan to Hoffenheim. Let's name, say it that way. I think Gnabry would actually be exactly what they need right now. So um, um, I tend to agree. Uh, Rick, do you, uh, 
Do you see a Gnabry Hymas um, or Gnabry Coman wing pairing in your future? Uh, I'm actually really surprised that uh, Gnabry wasn't uh, that that whole deal went through with him going to Hoffenheim for a year. And I, frankly, I don't think Coman is uh, is up to standard. To be honest with you, I think that's really part of the problem is that we have uh, the two uh, two aging wingers. And we're expecting them not to go through the, the full 90 minutes. But the guys who are there to step in, they're, they're not quite stepping up to the plate, really. I think that's really part of the problem that we're having. And in the Berlin game, come on, you can see he's, he's trying. But uh, I don't think he's quite good enough, to be perfectly fair. He's fast. You know, he has that speed, but he doesn't have the trickery. Ribéry was always a player, you could give him a ball, he could turn on a dime. And he could fool players. He could, you know, I remember one of the first two or three games when he was in, he received the ball. He, he just dipped the ball three times on his toe while standing on a spot. And um, he can't do it anymore. And I mean, that's that's fair enough. You know, he had many injuries. He's getting older. That game has changed. And Coleman never could do that. And I, I see that Coleman is, is a talent and he will be a good player, but he will not be a world star. Um, that's no disrespect, but I just can't see it. And I mean, they had a, they signed a similar player in Douglas Costa, right? And Douglas Costa, very fast, but no trickery. Um, he's not capable of of putting in that special moments, and that's that's something that they they missed the boat on, I think. And Gnabry has that potential, but even just signing him on his own, I don't think that would have been enough. So this uh, this leads us to our next bit of conversation. Um, uh, Byron's Byron's trainer. So all signs point to and. Manuel was telling me how to do this. All signs point to, uh, surprisingly, Yubank is coming in to to be caretaker coach until the end of the season. Um, it's probably uh, something a lot of people would have loved. But nobody really seriously addressed. Um, uh, Rick, give me your your initial thoughts. Well, my initial thoughts, I think, it's pretty much as you uh, let's say summarised there, Susie. It's one of these things that as uh, supporters, everyone is saying, "Bring back your, bring back your." It's this kind of almost this mantra that started uh, to develop. But then when it happens, you start to think you're stepping into some kind of parallel universe. Is this really happening here? Is How is this guy being taken out of uh, retirement for, let's say, two or so years and can step back into the, the day-to-day grind of uh, being a top-level coach? I mean... It's that that's the, the situation I'm seeing. In, in a perfect world, I'm saying, you know, he's going to step back. He's obviously got the senior pros are going to be behind him because a lot of these guys were part of that 2013 setup. So effectively what you're saying is the, the core of uh, the anti-Antelotti uh, group, for want of a better term, these are the guys that automatically should be on side with Heinkus. And in terms of the stability and bringing back calm to the team, which I think is probably most important at this in, initial stage before we even start thinking about results and going forward from that. My, yeah, I, I, I'm quite happy with it. If, if it does turn out to be up, I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. At least on a caretaker basis, I think he'd do a better job than any of the others that uh, have been mooted. For example, say, keeping Sanyol on or uh, other wack- wacky ideas like uh, bringing uh, Mehmet Scholl in, for example. Yeah, Mehmet Scholl, I mean, there were a lot of cases um, that were pure bullshit for every part of that word. Um, um, I entertained the thought of uh, Louis, uh, Louis Van Hall as well as a caretaker coach. Uh, Manuel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no. 
<laughs> I only, I and I only said that as as purely a temporary uh, sort of task mask, task you know, master to to and Hank is is also not going to he's not going to reinvent the the wheel with Bayern Munich. You know where that rumor with Louis van Gaal came from, though. It's from from West Germany, and uh, the the rumor was that Bayern are going to reactivate a former coach, <laughs> and uh, then the I think it was the um, the W set the West set. Um, Westdeutsche Zeitung that released this with Louis van Gaal. I think they just uh, got the <laughs> they just chose the wrong former Bayern coach, and um, you know considering what part of the world the, the rumor came from, it makes sense. Um, yeah, but you know I have I have some thoughts about this whole revamping revamping thing, Susie, because I th- I think that. Give them to me. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think that revamping needs to happen. And um, I can sense a real divide within Bayern. And not, you know, on top of Hoeneß and Rummenigge, but also among the entire fan base. And there's a lot of people, let's call them the nostalgic, that would like to see what's going on right now keep going and have the buy-in of old you know the Mir Samir and all that and then there's the progressive who are with Romanege and they want to become a world club and they want to stay a world club they want to win the Champions League and they want to see uh, progress all the time and um, I think that the nostalgic are with, with uh, Hoeneß who wants to first install of course uh, Heinkes and then bring in Nagelsmann mostly because Nagelsmann reminds him of himself because Hoeneß became of course the, the sporting director or what we call in German the manager uh, as a 27 year old so he sees a lot of himself in Nagelsmann and that's why he thinks okay well this is the successor he's the guy who can build a legacy uh, as a young age right he's from Munich as well so that gives him all, all this kind of background and then there's Rummenigge and he sees a guy like Tuchel who's like Pep Guardiola he's a reformer he's a trust Reformer, he's someone who will turn this club upside down, sort of like what Klinsmann did. Remember, Klinsmann was Romanigas guy too, um, only with tactical knowledge. And I think that's where you see the the head spotting. And Heinkes, um, and Heinkes is Hunes's idea, definitely 100. Yeah. percent But yes. he's a stopgap. This will only put a stop to this debate until the end of the season. And I think that's that's something um, quite important to keep in mind as we're going forward. Tuchel, um, I've heard, made it one condition in his talks that the time with Ribery and Robin is over at the end of the season. Now, that's a time bomb. You know, you bring in the new coach, knowing that that new coach will basically usher out the two biggest stars, the two golden boys of the squad, could you imagine that going well till the end of the season? I, I personally couldn't. And I think that's um, one of the reasons why the Tuchel talks. And they have not failed. They have just stalled. And why they have stalled. Uh, uh, Rick, um, uh, what do you think about about um, the, the Tuchel, uh, the clause with robbery? Well... I'd, I'd always seen this as, uh, as as it's becoming quite evident now that there's a a slight division schism, be what it may, between the, the Rummenigge and the Hunas camps, as uh, Manuel uh, alluded to, and this was always going to be what the plan is going to be. Is it going to be a long-term plan with a short-term? interim or was it going to be we start the long-term plan now and the long-term plan now was obviously Tuchel would have uh, fitted in to that overall schema and of course naturally if he's thinking long-term going on beyond the end of this season then naturally he's looking at phasing out what he would see as the the older player so what he's saying about uh, Reber and Robin from his point of view if that's the angle he's coming in on, to look forward long-term beyond 2018, that would make perfect sense. So on the other hand, the idea of having an interim coach to set it back for a plan B, which will be, say, Nagelsmann coming in at the beginning of next season, 
this, yes, to use that word stalling, this allows a stalling so they may to perhaps phase uh, Robin and Ribery out in a more gentle way, so to speak. Because I think we, we both know they're uh, reaching the end of their, their careers at this top level. And it will be more comfortable for them, I suppose, to roll out with uh, Heinkus at the end of this season. And then when we have a new coach at the beginning of the next, they will probably be given the carte blanche to come in with a brush and uh, do whatever sweeping they need to do. But this was not possible if we were to bring in Tuchel this season. He's a highly demanding coach. He's what I would call a top-level coach. He was never going to be a stopgap. Any engagement with him would have been would have involved a long-term plan and part of his demands would have been that he sees some of those met, some of his own demands met. And, uh, yeah, as we've seen, that was not going to be compatible with uh, the club's position at this present moment in time. So that's why that was ruled out. I'm not a fan of Tuchel generally anyway. So I think it's a right result there that uh, that was reached. I have to agree with you, Rick. I, I don't think that Tuchel... Um is the right trainer for Bayern at this time and and even with a caretaker coach till the end of the season um, uh, and it's not anything he does tactics wise or anything else it's it's how he interacts with the rest of the board the team everything whatever yeah Yeah, exactly. I see him. I saw him as a divisive character at Dortmund, mm. and it's not the kind of person you you don't have don't have that kind of coach who will be uh, bitty with the board. You you want someone who puts their mind, who, who speaks their mind, but doesn't have that kind of divisive kind of vibe about him. And this is and this is what I get about him. Uh, yeah, Manuel. You know, though, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, Rick. But I, I, you know, and the Bayern board is not going to like to hear this. But that's they, what Tuchel is. Is what Bayern need. And they Perhaps. need yeah. they need someone to kick that Bayern board in the butt. And the, the reason for that is because, you know, Hoeneß and Romanega in their 60s and, and they have no succession plan. You know, recently, we all thought when they fired Ancelotti that there was uh, a plan B in place. There wasn't. They, they, don't, they didn't have a plan B. Bayern never have a plan B. They, they, they this, um, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Munich and there is a certain mentality there that um, what we call a Hauruck mentality, you know, like let's let's just do it mentality. And a lot of it comes from the gut and Hoeneß and Rummenigge over the years have been very good at that. But um, I don't see a succession plan there. What happens when Rummenigge and Hoeneß are no longer there? And that is that is something that's becoming slowly but surely reality, right? And um, I think they need to really think about this, and they need to to need to maybe bring in people who tell them that they're wrong. But I don't think they're willing to do that, right? So that's that causes a huge huge problem for them. And the problem is, of course, that they're both disagreeing with each other on what the succession plan is going to be. So you have this um, this you the club is almost at this juncture now. And it's comparable to what happened to Manchester United after uh, Alex Ferguson left, right? Two people have defined this club for such a long time that they don't, they, 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 they're these giants, but there is no foundation that they're standing on. And that is, that is something that they really need to consider and worry about. So they need to actually bring someone in who can, who can rattle the boat in order to, to stabilize it. And I think that that is, that is why maybe Tuchel would be a good choice. And I still, I still think that at the end of the season, he still is a candidate. And it really depends on, you know, availability for Nagelsmann, how much will Hoffenheim ask? I've read somewhere that Hoffenheim will demand in the region of 50 million euros for Nagelsmann, which they can because he's under contract until 2021. There's no exit clause, right? right. Are Bayern willing to pay that kind of money? Um, that's a lot of question marks, in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 I totally take the points on board, what you're saying about uh, the need for change and the idea of having some kind of succession plan, Manuel. I think... Uh, It's, it's something you want to deny as a Bayern fan, but it is a reality. And, and, and I think that, that's, a, that's a fair point, I think. And in terms of, uh, say, g going forward from here, yep, Tuchel certainly will be 
on the on the books one of those who will be talked about as a potential uh, successor come next year but my own feeling about Nagelsmann is that how much has he really been tested uh, the, the way I see it at the moment he's there with a, his peer group at Hoffenheim I, I see them effectively as a, as a bunch of mates he's not dealing with huge egos it's a is, is, is this what like this little fear that I have? And again, every see every other season, there seems to be a coach who's a flavour of the year. A couple of years ago, it was Marcus Feinstein, and mm-hmm. uh, he was touted as a potential uh, future Bayern coach. He took a bits and pieces out of books. Okay, he's not of the same kind of calibre as Nagelsmann, but uh, he took a bits and pieces team, took them into Europe. Pretty much a similar kind of. Uh, MO is what Nagelsmann did last season and uh, he went to Schalke off the back of uh, on the back of a huge contract and uh, failed miserably and I think for me with uh, with Nagelsmann we have to see what he does this season his stock is quite high quite now at the moment yeah where will his stock be come summertime if we see uh, Hoffenheim drop away will his stock drop will the deal be as attractive anymore in, in, mm. in the summertime I'm not sure he's been exposed pretty badly in Europe this season Liverpool yeah. home and away and so far in the two opening group games in the Europa League I'm not convinced I'm not convinced he's the golden boy the shining star that everyone is uh, making him out to be he really needs to be tested for another for at least a couple more seasons he, otherwise it may just be another another Klinsman experiment Klinsman you know <laughs> Everyone, everyone talks. I know. I keep bringing it all the while, but uh, who gave up mad swimmers? They just remember the the Sommermärchen of uh, 2006. That's all they yeah. remember. They don't remember how disastrous it was leading up to that. I'm going to and, say something uh, really just controversial. Just one moment that you're looking at. His whole value was based around this. Yeah. Everyone bought into the philosophy, and it was a complete and utter disaster. Mm. And I had doubts about Klinsman at the beginning for this same reason was his experience that deep mm. and it's the same questions I have about Nagelsmann yeah two points that I, I may want to make real quick about Klinsmann I think Klinsmann was actually what Bayern needed off the field not on the field uh, I think that Klinsmann is, is a great reformer he is a great manager but he's not a coach um, yeah, that's I think Rudy's, the director of sport maybe would have yeah, been a good position perfect for it. it would have been perfect for Bayern because he would have done all the things that he did off the field the ideas that he brought to the club same with the US national team you know the US national team's actually digressed since he's left um, yes. they got actually worse I think he was perfect for the US national team as long as you surround him with people who want Understand tactics. He's great, and that's. I think. I think that that, that is something that Bayern misunderstood. Um, Nagelsmann. I do think he is the golden boy that everyone makes him out to be. But there's a big but, and this is where where I 100% agree with Eric. He was terribly exposed uh, at Liverpool, and I think that they they didn't get it right wrong in the second game. They got it wrong in the first game, and the. The reasons for that, I mean, you can lose to Liverpool. That's fine. You know, they have a market value that's, I think I looked it up at the time, was six times as much as Hoffenheim's entire squad value. So that's okay. That can happen. But I think they could have done better. And um, he's been exposed in Europe now a couple of times as well. And I think what we need to remember is he's 30. He's a 30-year-old coach. And he will do very well with Hoffenheim. I actually anticipate that they finish top four again this year. Um, simply because they, they, they get the results. They get the results that they need in the Bundesliga. But um, when you look at Hoffenheim and the way the club operates, it's like a football think tank. You know, they have all the data coming in from SAP, from owner Dietmar Hopp, of course. They have these... Um, they have the technology every technology that he needs uh, if he says comes up with a crazy idea that sounds lunatic to any other club in the world they say okay let's do it you know that massive screen for example that they put up in Hoffenheim it's a fantastic idea but every other club in the world would have said that this is crazy could you imagine him doing this at the Sebener Straße the build site would be writing about it every day for 24 days it'd be <laughs> nuts <laughs> uh, you know and that's that's the kind of thing that that um, I, I I can just see that could be causing a lot of frictions. And that's, I think, um, I think Nagelsmann is the coach that Bayern need. And I also think Tuchel is the coach that Bayern need. But I think if I would choose right now, and 
this is maybe where the buy-in bosses have to um, this have something they consider. This this is a topic that's not over, but only because Tuchel is not hired now doesn't mean it's not going to happen next summer. Um, are we going with the guy who's been in the Champions League, has been quite successful in the Champions League actually with Borussia Dortmund, has done a massive rebuild with Borussia Dortmund, still got the results, but clashed with the leadership of the club? Or are we taking the guy who's basically working at this football think tank in uh, Sutzenhausen where the training camp is, gets all the things available to him and is an absolute reformer but has no experience in the Champions League. Are we hiring the 31-year-old and Tuchel is 42, right? Or are we hiring the 42-year-old one? Nagelsmann is still going to be there for them in three years. Tuchel is never going to yep. stay at a club for more than three, right? I, I think it, this- you couch it that way, Manuel. You give me that choice. Yeah. If, was, if there's no other candidates, it's those two... I would pick Tuchel. And I think that's the two that we're looking at. You know, it's not going to be Luis Enrique. I don't know where Ducks came from. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be Louis van Gaal. Uh, it was a good joke, but it's not going to be him. <laughs> come on. And, uh, come on. For it to be Louis van Gaal, I think there needs to be some serious hatchet burying, but they may well just be... Uh, Uli and uh, Louis van Gaal burying the hatchets in each other's head. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think that the whole 2011 drama, you, you, you can't forget this. No. So, I mean, it's, it's just nonsensical. Any idea of entertaining that idea, it's nonsense. Rick, yeah, I don't um, know who else they can dig up out of retirement. I heard Otmar Hitzfeld has nothing to do right now, so that's another guy. Udo Latek has recently passed away. has sadly passed away, so he's not a candidate, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's. Um... Okay, so. <laughs> Thank you both. Um, uh, let's uh, let's rate um, the prospective Bayern trainers. Let's rate Luis Enrique. Oh, what a silence! I, I, wouldn't, have, I, I wouldn't have even rated him. I, I wouldn't have even had on, had him on my radar. To be perfectly honest with you, right. I don't know where that came from. I, think, I really don't. I think that was a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. can rank him a one. So so, but uh, despite that, what we're trying to do is is, or what Byron is showing is, they want um, a solid solution at the end of the season, and they're willing to not necessarily take a kneel. Um, but they're willing to sort themselves out, would you say, Rick? I'd say, I think, yeah. I think that, that this is, we need to uh, pair back on uh, our expectations for this season. The, the, I mean, the Bundesliga is going to be a lot tougher than it has been for the last five. I think that would be an achievement now looking at the way things are. The Champions League, I frankly think, is probably beyond this current squad. So, yeah, th- this is about settling things down. This is about consolidation. And if it is going to be Jupp Heynckes, I think he's the perfect man to do that. But we shouldn't see the team be given this opportunity to stagnate while doing that. We need to be also looking for- be looking forward to whoever's going to be taking over in 2018 as well at the same time. So even say if we were to go out and, let's say, do what happened in 2013, turn everything round on its head, we win the treble this season, that's still not going to be enough going ahead to next because we just can't rely on this current group of players that we have. There needs to be an infusion of ideas. We need to have new blood. And we need to... I don't like the idea of having to compete with your Barcelonas, your PSGs of this world, the money bags. But we may need to look at ramping up what we're going to have to shell out as well to, to bring in that new blood. Mm. Others going to beat us to it otherwise. Manuel? This is rating coaches. Um, yeah, the, can, can, so we're putting the Louis Enrique rumor to bed, right? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, um, you know, I, I think that no matter what, I, I think I 100% agree with you, um, um, Rick, is that they, 
new blood. And this is, you know, Susie, remember when you were on the Game Pressing podcast and we talked about Alexis Sanchez? Mm-hmm. And um, how insane, ex- insanely expensive that transfer was? Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that transfer now? Now, in retrospect, um, that's... I wonder. It comes if, across as reasonable now, yeah. It does come across as reasonable now, and it comes across as something that they maybe should have done. Wait, wait. Uh, I, I, I would argue that Gnabry was was a testament to being the anti-Sanchez uh, transfer. Yeah, but that was also it's, the youth academy that they Yeah, opened. yeah, of course. I mean, it's not working out so well for Bayern no. right now. But but they still made they made moves. They didn't make maybe the right moves. Yeah. Well, remember what Lewandowski said in the Spiegel. I, about the, the criticism about the Bayern transfer window. Um, Tolisso is a good player, and they paid for for paid a club record fee for him. But Tolisso, I don't think that's who they actually needed. You know, um, no. Sebastian Rudi fulfills the role that Javi Alonso left uh, and way better. And I think that. Uh, Hamas, I, I actually liked the Hamas transfer at the time. I still do. I think he he's a fantastic player, but he's not a winger. Um, he makes the field narrow, and this is was something that I criticized post uh, the post PSG FCB game that the 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 selection of bringing in Thiago, Hamas, Müller, um, Lewandowski. You know, having that basically your forward line um, made the field too narrow. So they, they, they don't have anyone to play that with, to have that speed on the wings. Gnabry um, has that. I, I, I think that, you know, there, there is there is something that we maybe have to wrap our head around that the, the, the way Bayern are playing as well. And this is not just the lack of wingers, the lack of attacking options, but the entire setup, the entire structure of the squad is not um, set out for 2017-2018 football. You know, you look at Hoffenheim, they're going 3-5-2. Dortmund are going 4-3-3. A lot of clubs are going with two all-in-out strikers. Um, You look at what Real Madrid are doing. They're nowadays playing with Ronaldo and Benzema up top. Um, You look at what Juventus are doing. They have four, five, six attacking options. And, um, you know, even secondary clubs like Napoli, they have two, three, four guys up front that can just score goals. And Bayern have Lewandowski, uh, Ribéry, Robben and Müller. And two of them, uh, you know, we mentioned the age. And the, the other one hasn't found a goal because of various tactical problems. And I think that is something that they missed. Um, you know, they thought, okay, we're not going into this transfer insanity. We're going to do it mirs and mir, and we're going to open this youth camp. Well, that's fantastic. But it, that youth camp is going to score goals maybe in five, six years, not now. And they yeah. need to score goals now. And I think that is something that they, they missed the boat on. And that's something that Lewandowski rightfully pointed out. Lewandowski has been pretty unhappy, and I can see why. Because the quality isn't there. And... <laughs> Bayern, right now, Bayern are one injury away from this season to not becoming a championship winning season, but to them struggling to make the Champions League. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. Imagine Müller or Lewandowski go down with an injury. Oh. Who's going to score the goals till Christmas? If, if Lewandowski goes down, it's done. It's huh. always been done, and it's it's a really shitty decision by by the Bayern bosses to leave him in his place all alone. Um, <clears throat> Rick, would uh, who comes? Who would come in as a second striker? I think again, th- th- this is this has always been the, the complicated issue when we're talking about a second striker. I think Manuel alluded to it there in that uh, a number of other teams are shoving more uh, guys up top. I think we're, we're still having this system, this idea of having the, the one striker. And as long as that is the case, 
we're going to have this issue of a second striker being permanently, almost permanently, sitting on the bench. And uh, this is why it's going to, always going to be difficult to get a second striker of quality. But if, if we change the system slightly, where perhaps we can have a system where we're playing two guys up front, it becomes more appealing for some for a more higher-profile name to want to sign for Bayern. Because uh, you, you look at the situation as it currently stands, we've got Lewandowski in there, any other one is going to be, anybody else is going to be saying, well, what am I going to be doing? Am, am I going to be competing against him for that one spot? I'll be sitting on the bench for, for most of that time. So that there's that. There's the system issue. We get over that. Then we, there could be the scope for having two centre forwards of uh, equal quality. Mm. But as it currently stands, you're probably looking at, uh, how can you say it, not quite a journeyman, but uh, <laughs> someone who would be happy enough to be sitting on the bench and uh, happy enough to step up and take that chance. And I'm not taking mm. bringing in Pizarro again for a, for the millionth time. Oh, no. But, I, would, uh, I would totally be happy or, or Sandro with... Wagner, I would be happy someone with like Fabio. That. <laughs> uh, s- someone like this who'd be uh, willing to perhaps take a step back and uh, sit on the bench and uh, not moan or carp about uh, having to be on the bench because uh, Lewandowski is keeping them out all the while. On the other hand, again, if the system's changed and we move to a more flexible, more attacking kind of system, we could play Lewandowski and somebody else. And if mm. that becomes the reality, say we're going back to the 1990s, the good old days of playing two two, two uh, strikers up front. Everyone else is doing it. Really. Uh, I think we'd be pretty attractive uh, uh, proposition for, for for many. I think that's that that has to happen, you know. And this is why this is one of the doubts I had about Ancelotti going forward. And this is one of the doubts I have now about your pink is coming in. Um, who plays four two three one these days, especially in the Bundesliga? And this is you know, we had this conversation just yesterday Susie on on Twitter you know um, you bring in a guy like Sule who's played the 3-5-2 with Hoffenheim um, and this is what you're going to get next season anyways regardless of you signing Tuchel or Nagelsmann you're going to get 3-5-2 now that system would work well with uh, Müller and and, uh, Lewandowski up top right but essentially that means you need a backup for one of those two and when you play Champions League you need to rotate anyways and maybe Lewandowski now at the age of 29 has to say goodbye of playing every game maybe that those days are numbered for him as well and as they are if he would be playing for Manchester City Real Madrid Barcelona or any of the other top teams you know Um, and I think I think it was actually a huge mistake last summer when we had a skiing pressing podcast on should Bayern sign Mbappe. And that was purely academic. It was not that we had any information that they could have or should have. Um, purely academic. And we came to the conclusion on that podcast that they should have. They should have gone for him. Why? Because that is the player that they need. He, Mbappe represents the player that got away. And back then, that was would have been a signable proposition for them. Um and I think that is that is something that they kind of they missed the boat on, you know, to design a young guy like that who can play various positions up top for them mm-hmm. and can step in um, to, you know, replace Müller or Lewandowski. And next year, Lewandowski is going to be 30. Are we going to expect 50, 55 games out of him on the top level? Because that's how many he has to play, plus the national team. Um, you know, Lewandowski's interview with the Spiegel was interesting because he, he puts the, the, the finger into the wound, but he's also actually pointing at himself. Um, he has to maybe realize that, you know, if Bayern shell money on the transfer market, that his days of playing 34 games in the Bundesliga, him scoring 31 plus goals every year are gone simply because Bayern cannot afford to have be dependent on one guy. Uh, Rick, your thoughts on this? It, it it brings up a lot of questions, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm completely agreeing with uh, Manuel there on that. All what he's been saying for the last couple of minutes is that uh, it's, it's a systemic change that that's required. I think, and you need to find players that are more flexible for this. And really what you're looking more is, is moving away from the idea of players having specific roles. You, you look at, say, an Mbappe-type player, m- more than happy playing up top, 
just as uh, able playing out on the flank. And uh, this is really what you need as a, the, the kind of player who uh, can adapt themselves to any attacking system. I think what we have, what we have currently is each of the players that we have seem to fit into a particular box. And, and this is what's uh, creating the problem. We have our centre forward, we have our we have our, our wingers, and sadly we have uh, Müller who's not quite firing this season as the, as the other guy who could have gone up top as another option. But what we tend to ha- what we're having is that all these positions are pretty much boxed off. Whereas you you look at say the likes of uh, Real Madrid, you've got four or five players, any one of them. Uh, uh, is dangerous in in front of uh, in front of goal, and uh, they can interchange and and, uh, and swap about. And uh, this is really what we're lacking. It's uh, it's the flexibility. And again, the point that was alluded to just a few moments ago, that if Lewandowski simply the fact that because everything is boxed off, if Lewandowski is injured, yeah, our season becomes no longer potentially title chasing one, but one that we may well be struggling. Yeah, as Emmanuel pointed out, that does even keep ourselves in the top four. Okay, so to to bring it down uh, to our conclusion, um, uh, Manuel, what do you expect out of a Yopankis um, uh, coaching role this season? Not much. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing is, boy, it's going to be very predictable. Um, you know, he's uh, said himself that he hasn't been in the business for four years now, and right. um, which is why they Bayern are really, really, really um, on getting Hermann, the assistant coach from from Düsseldorf. He's working at Düsseldorf there quite successfully, actually, right now. I believe Düsseldorf are first in Bundesliga too, and so he will need someone like that to basically get him up uh, up to speed with. 2017-18 football and um, now expectations I think he will come in and he will just try to he, there's not much he can do really he can basically say to the guys that are there like look um, let's train let's get our let's, let's get the, the conditioning up to a level that is necessary to be competitive let's get the results that we need to stabilize um the ship and um, you know get points necessary to stay they do not fall too far behind Borussia Dortmund um, lineup wise you know it will be the the typical 4-2-3-1 There's, that's what he plays I can't see him step in and starting experiment at this point of his career as a 70 year old with a completely new tactic um, I'd be massively shocked if he would and um, that really leaves us with 10 games where he can do not much until the winter break. And then I assume that they will go and buy, you know, something that Bayern haven't done. Uh, something that I said on, again, this is, we had this topic last week and we're in such uncharted territories because Bayern don't like to buy in the winter. Well, guess what? This year they will. Um, and they will have to. <sighs> That that raises a, a very interesting topic, um, uh, Rick. Uh, how do you see the uh, Hankus role being played out? As I uh, pointed out earlier, I, I'm just looking at more as uh, trying to stay. It's not just stabilizing the team in terms of results. I think what we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks and perhaps leading up to that with uh, Ancelotti, these kind of rumblings uh, in the team that uh, give the media plenty of bait. I think uh, this is what I'm hoping that uh, he will solve, that we can move on past this uh, FC Hollywood phase that we seem to have uh, rolled into almost blindly over the last month or so. And perhaps, as I said, with the fact that he's going to have the senior professionals on board, the 2013 veterans, we can iron that out first of all, because uh, that will get rid of all that extraneous gossip that, that's going on surrounding FC Bayern at the moment. And then on the pitch, obviously from this, you would like to think that uh, it would instill 
a, a little bit more energy in the team, a bit more impetus, which may have been uh, slacking within the last couple of months under Carletto. And uh, it's all about getting the basics right again. I think this is where we've been failing. You look against Wolfsburg, against uh, Berlin, both of those games... We threw away leads, n- not because of any uh, spectacular mistakes or any uh, fantastic play from the opposition, but by not sticking to basics. And if he can bring us back to that, it may well be sufficient to keep competitive in, in the league this season. It's not lost by any means. And there, there's lots of uh, naysayers out there saying Dortmund are five points ahead now. It was last time it was like this. It was 2011 and they're going to run away and they were going to win the Bundesliga. That's not necessarily the case. We still have effectively the same core team that uh, won us the championship fairly easily last season. And uh, if those basics are applied and we get the spirit back in, and that's the key to it, uh, there's been a lot of uh, demoralisation in the last month, we get that back in order. I think there's enough in this squad to see things through. Obviously, I think we're going to have to inject some uh, new blood in the winter. But uh, I do think the core of this squad is sufficient enough to, to see us win a, a sixth title on the bouncer come May. I, I really do believe that. Yeah, I think uh, everything is still to be won. I, I want to tell everyone that a treble is no, it's not happening. With Hankus, I don't care. It's not happening. But but there is a lot to be won. And October is full of very, very huge matches. There's, uh, there's uh, the match against Celtic. There are two matches uh, against uh, uh, Rosenballsport Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig, um, in the league. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> in the league and in the cup. And then it's all topped off by a Bivau Bay match in early November. It's it's a bit of a firestorm for. Regardless, I mean, obviously it should be, or it will be, Hengus to walk into Manuel. Yeah, you know, and I, I think, I, I can't believe that people are dreaming about the triple. Um, no, they do. I mean, they did. <laughs> it's a fantasy. It's a it fantasy. is definitely a fantasy. I think round of uh, a quarterfinal in the Champions League, surviving in the cup and maybe finishing top four is, is what they're going to get. Um, you know, yes, the team won won the title very easily last year but that's because Dortmund went through a massive transition year could you imagine Dortmund had the side that they had the year before that when they challenged Bayern all the way through the season they would have walked away with the title last year yeah and uh, you know and this is this is a very different Dortmund side yes they lost Dembele but they actually brought in a guy who's mature and um, is on the same level already than Dembele maybe even better right now in Yamolenko and um, Dortmund seems to focus really heavily on the league this year too, rather than the Champions League. So I, you know, I, I think, I think uh, a triple of getting deep in the cup, uh, advancing relatively deep in the Champions League, and finishing on a Champions League spot is is what uh, Bayern fans, um, you know, that's what Bayern fans should be focusing on. Should be focusing on, um, uh, Rick. Uh, the- how are you feeling about um, a caretaker coach and where their places are? I think there's a time and a place. Uh, I think uh, certainly where we are now, given that uh, the number of choices are few and far between, I think it's probably the best option to care t- take a caretaker coach at this point, even though it is fairly early in the season. I think that was more due to the fact that it's so early in the season there are few uh, other options around. I think how I described Tuchel, for example, was that, uh, given that I'm not a great fan of his, it's like you going to a supermarket and seeing all empty shelves, but the only thing you can find are brand flakes. 
Oh. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> have to pick the brown things. All, all, all this, I think there, there was a, a wonderful uh, image that was taken uh, around the time of. Uh, I can't can't remember what it was. It might have been around. It was, a, it was some natural disaster somewhere where someone had gone in and they've all they bought out all the products in the shop except, except for one vegan. Shelf. Except for <laughs> the one shitty thing. No, the vegan we do, goods. We do. This to me is how it would have been it, where we are now. Like if we picked Tuckle, it would have been, I wouldn't have been comfortable with it. Are we picking it because it's the only thing there and it's barely edible? And uh, so I think uh, where, we are, where we are now, I think a caretaker coach is the best way forward. All right. I, it would it would be nice if there were if there, if there were others uh, available, but uh, come to think of it, I'm 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 really pressed to think who would be suitable as a buying coach, even among the number of top coaches out there. If we could take a pick right now, Guardiola, oh, bring him back. I, 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 Do it. Did, did I did I throw out that bait there, Manuel? <laughs> actually, I, I I have a I have another name who Bayern actually tried to get, and um, go ahead. There's a yeah, that's Jurgen Klopp. What? Jur- Jur- uh, Jurgen Klopp's me. I mean, no. I, again, another article I'd written uh, not that long ago, I described Jurgen Klopp, yeah, he's a nice guy. I'd happily have a beer and a chat with him. But he's a Dortmund fan. That's what he come across, comes across to me. Yeah. And did it try and, to... Uh, you, you couldn't have that one. Say, say on the we've had Dortmund coaches before, obviously. We've, uh, we've brought in uh, my Hitzfeld. But... Uh, so it's not the matter of taking a coach from Dortmund. That's not is the issue for me. It's that Klopp was someone. He was a real Dortmund fanboy, and yeah. uh, and for for this, it would have been really quite uncomfortable for me. And I think uh, I probably am of the same mentality of a certain type of uh, of Bayern fan who feels the same way. And uh, you scrub all that, and uh, we'll say he'd never coached Dortmund at all. And he comes straight from Mainz. I think, yeah, I don't think I would have had an issue with him, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm. Yeah, I do know that Bayern did put in a, did actually call Klopp uh, and try to get him. And this is actually one that could be still on the table for next year, um, next summer, just to, to keep an eye on on that one. That. Uh, Klopp is a possibility. I know Liverpool fans all over the world are now gasping, um, probably grabbing the, the oxygen mask if available. Um, but, you know, the thing is that he hasn't been too happy at Liverpool this year because they didn't bring in the players he wanted them to bring in. But that's that's an entirely different story. So, but I would just throw his name in there as well. And, yeah, naturally. Uh, that's of course so for. He's always going to be there, certainly yeah. amongst uh, all all of us pundits. Anyway, he's he's, he's going to be in, in the mix certainly. And then of course um, Joachim Löw. You know, Germany win the World Cup next summer or don't either or that could be his last tournament, um, which then of course could mean that Jurgen Klopp heads, takes the Germany spot and Löw takes the Bayern job, and that, I could see that uh, as well. I've I've been reading that Löw is. Uh more or less ruled out any kind of return to the Bundesliga though again the people change their mind yeah but uh, I can't I can't see him I think he's going to retire uh, not they say one could retire fat and happy he's never going to be fat but uh, he, he could retire happy off uh, the back of uh, whatever happens now in the, in, the ne- in the World Cup next year whatever yeah. happens he's had a I, successful run one of the greatest uh, coaches of uh, the modern era for the national team oh yeah. my I don't, god I don't think no. he's going to want to uh, <laughs> perhaps sully that by coming back and uh, being not so great in the Bundesliga my instinct says that you're right absolutely I, I just just one of the names that are floating around yeah, right? naturally of course he's always going to be there you look up uh, the list of odds uh, on uh, the next uh, the next batch of prices to be uh, buying coach. Yeah, Jurgen Löw will be there. But then that said, I did see uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and Brendan Rodgers on the list this year as well. We put that list together. I can't remember which. I actually put uh, a link on one of my last articles on the by Central actually to uh, I think it was the an Evening Standard, which is the a British newspaper. So they've wow. taken a. All of the latest uh, odds from one of the various betting firms, and yep, Sir Alex was a hundred to one. Brendan Rodgers, I think, was at eighty to one. Wow! 
Yeah. 80 to 1? There was some other Brendan absurd Rogers. names in there as well. Come on. Okay. Bef- <laughs> that's, that's mental. Good thing I'm not a betting man. <laughs> Before I let you both go, um, what, what will, what can be the best result by Ancelotti's firing caretaker coach most likely and going on into next season Rick for me it's all about the the stability it's getting that stability back that uh, sense of team back but ultimately the next 10 weeks or so prior to the winter pause are going to be the most important because this is going to tell us where Bayern are going to be in the second half of the season are we going to be still in the cup are we going to be still vying for the Champions League? That's the most important thing. These next 10 weeks see the end of the group phase in the Champions League. So it's going to be tough to overhaul PSG. But what we're looking at is at least securing second place and getting the points available against both Celtic and Anderlecht and uh, making our way into the knockout phase. Hopefully uh, getting rid of Leipzig in the Pokal and uh, moving on so we're in that competition come next year as well and we're still in there with a shout in the Bundesliga if that's the situation I want to be in come the end of the year and then at that point thankfully in Germany there is that month and a bit for uh, new signings to come in for people to step back and take a think and consider where we are and uh, that I'm, I'm not looking at it as a long term thing at all at the moment I'm just purely looking <laughs> game by game within that framework of this period up to uh, the winter break and uh, Manuel yeah I, I pretty much echo that game by game winter break and then um, the the winter pause is going to be key right bring in maybe a couple new faces and um, start a rebuilding process and I think Hopefully by the winter they have sorted out who's going to be the long-term replacement um, or maybe have an idea of going, who's going to be the, the long-term replacement and because they even if they, they do bring in players in the winter they, they have to um, of course sign players that fit that next coach and I think that's that's going to be an interesting to one to watch um, what are they going to do until the winter and uh, how are they going to you know set the field for whoever comes next uh, to you both do do Bayern get tossed out of the cup by Leipzig Ooh, I would say yes for me it's difficult to call I, it's, it's, for me it's difficult to call I, I'm looking to say if the team picks up we're more than capable of beating Leipzig. Leipzig are not as hot this season as they were last. They're more beatable. But then again, so are we. And uh, I think it's going to be a hard one. Uh, I, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm expecting us to, to win that game, to, to progress. But on the other hand, I wouldn't be massively surprised if we can't stuck against them. Whew. There's... there's- Certainly some rough times ahead uh, for Bayern fans and a lot of uncertainty. Um, But I think we're going to stop it right here because we can all argue endlessly (laughs) about everything. Um, uh, Manuel, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm the, the editor-in-chief of the uh, Football Grad Network, so uh, you can find all the stuff that I write and do uh, at Football Grad Live, and then I tweet myself at, at Manuel Veff. All right, then, Rick? Yeah, and you can find me at uh, Schwarz und Weiss, which is the only and leading dedicated uh, website uh, devoted to uh, the National Mannschaft. Or you can catch me on Twitter, where I uh, muse nonsense at uh, Fußballchef. Okay, and I am at the Susie Schaff, T-H-E-S-U-S-I-E-S-C-H-A-A-F. On Twitter, and I can uh, occasionally be found on Manuel's site and also on Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Anyway, um, 
I don't know if we have solidified anything for you, but um, there are many options looking forward ahead into next season. And uh, with that, we'll get back to you after the...